0: This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. And you never know when you're going to be watching a Christmas movie and you're going to find some hidden gem of theological truth that I think is really, really important. We a couple nights ago were watching the movie Elf. That's the one with Will Ferrell, and he dresses up with the green suit and the yellow leggings. And he says in, it's one of the the Elfin Creed, I think it is. He says, the way to increase Christmas cheer is by singing loud for all to hear. I see some folks in the back that know that line, right? The best way to bring about Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. And I think that's one of the things that we've been learning about our Christmas carols is that when we sing these carols out, we're telling the story of what it is that God has done, and we're increasing the cheer and the fellowship and the rejoicing of those around us. And if you've seen that movie, the big concern, uh, the tension in the story, is that people don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. And the clausometer, which measures that belief in Santa, is all the way down to zero. And so the, the... the Central Park Rangers, who are these ferocious uh, gang of horsemen, are pursuing Santa. And if only the people would believe in Santa by singing, Here Comes Santa Claus, then the clausometer would go up and everybody would get whatever they want for Christmas. Now, I have a theological dispute with that uh, way of thinking about Christmas, right? I, hey, awesome. I'm not talking about that. just talking about the fact that the true Christmas cheer, I get heckled on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and hey, that's, that's leaving Santa out of the whole conversation, right? He's busy. But what I'm saying is, right, you can celebrate all the Christmas you want. If you watch that great movie Elf, which is to me a Christmas classic, you can watch the whole Christmas movie and never once in the whole story, unless you're really listening, hear about Jesus. It's a whole giant Christmas experience without the central figure in all of history, in all of time, in all of the Christmas story, and that is Jesus. So tonight we're going to think a little bit about Jesus. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? This comes from the Gospel of Matthew, which is the true story of Jesus. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, was unwilling to put her to shame. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us now through your holy word as we celebrate the birth of Jesus and we consider who he was and who he is. I pray that, God, you would stir in our hearts to see this story anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, more than 200 years ago on the eve of Christmas, Joseph Moore had a problem. He was assistant priest at the church of St. Nicholas in the region of Tyrol, high in the beautiful Alps. Of Austria. He had only been there a couple of years, and he was very much looking forward to the celebration of Christ's birth on Christmas Eve, just as we are tonight. And as legend has it, the organ in the little church broke. So Joseph approached Franz Gruber, the village schoolmaster and church organist. Moore had previously penned the words to a Christmas song, but needed some music they would be able to be played by guitar to go with it. Both men didn't want their beloved church to be disappointed on Christmas Eve. Gruber took the lyrics and created some beautiful music that blended perfectly with the spirit of Father Moore's words. The carol was completed in time for Christmas Eve, and the little church sang this new carol to the accompaniment of Gruber's guitar. The song made a deep impact on the parishioners even as it has on succeeding generations. Today, Stille Nacht, or Silent Night, is one of the most popular Christmas carols of all time. We don't know all the details that surround the song. It seems like, to me, an important metaphor for Christmas. Things don't always turn out as you plan them. The moment is upon you before you know it, And your circumstances aren't always the way you want them to be. We think about Jesus' birth. It probably wasn't the way that Mary and Joseph drew it up. They certainly didn't anticipate Mary getting pregnant when she did. The text tells us that Joseph was a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. So he resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph's hopes of what marriage and what family were going to be, had been crushed when he learned about the new circumstance around Mary. He must have felt a betrayal. He certainly was confused. What was it like for Mary? Living in a small town where everyone knew everybody, the whispers and the rumors must have made it excruciating. Then they had to travel on foot or by donkey for at least four days to a town where they didn't know anyone, and they had no place to stay. What would have been like to deliver your first child with so difficult a circumstance, as one carol says, in a mean estate? And all too often, the Christmas that we had hoped for isn't the one that we get. Whether as a child, you didn't get the gift that you wanted, or as an adult, you didn't get the life that you wanted. Christmas can be a time where we deal with our unanticipated, often disappointing lives. I talk to people often who feel frustrated about their circumstances. Some of the time it's because of choices that they've made that have gotten them into those circumstances. Other times it's the decisions of other people that they've had to experience. Life often hits us hard. Sometimes it's what we do. Sometimes it's what other people do to us. But we find ourselves in moments and at Christmas not the way we want to be. We all have to work through the struggle of life. And for many people, Christmas is a time when that disappointment of how things are turning out really comes into a sharp focus. It's manifested in so many different ways. Often there is family tension. There could be marital stress. There are financial burdens, grief, and mourning because of those that we've lost. And in our church, we have lost a number of beloved family members and friends in our community in 2022, and grappling with the reality that Christmas isn't going to be the way we thought it might be. We also have tension within our relationships. We struggle with the state of our world and the sorrow of others. There's a list of things longer than a Christmas list that we could say is not right with Christmas this year. But I think sometimes our disappointment stems from a sincere but misdirected celebration. Instead of looking to Christmas for peace and hope and joy, we should be looking to the Incarnation. The Incarnation is the reality that God took on flesh the way we celebrate that incarnation often is Christmas. And there's so many wonderful things about it. But if you've resonated with anything that I've said already tonight, you know that there can be disappointment in that Christmas. But the truth of the matter is there's never any disappointment in the incarnation. I submit to you that Christmas can be that thing that's grown up and around this most beautiful and wonderful singular event in all of history, the incarnation, when Jesus has come. God has taken on flesh. In carne, God's put flesh on his body. He went from being spirit to being a human being. And he entered into time and space to be with us, not just to show us who God is, not just to show us how we're called to live, but to be with us in the midst of our suffering, to be near to us as we experience the disappointment and the disappointments of this life. Christmas can be a barrage of gift-giving. The incarnation is the gift of the Christ child. Christmas can make us long for more. The incarnation makes us satisfied with less. Christmas can let us down, but the incarnation lifts us up. Christmas can stress us out, but the incarnation gives us rest. Christmas calls us to hustle and bustle. The Incarnation invites us to contemplation. When we have this idyllic picture of what Christmas is supposed to be, we're often disappointed when it doesn't turn out. When we stand in awe of what God has done through the Incarnation, we're amazed every single time. Unless we start looking to the Christ child and stop looking to Christmas, we'll always be Disappointed. Proof that God works in the most difficult of circumstances happened in the battlefield of Flanders, Belgium during World War I. The English and French were in a fierce fight against the German and both sides had dug in. Safe and man-made trenches that seemed to stretch for miles and miles. Late in the winter of 1914, the Germans began putting out tiny Christmas trees and singing songs. Across this Devastated land, the no man's land, between their trenches, songs came from the English and from the French. A spontaneous truce resulted, and the men ventured out toward one another on Christmas Eve, even exchanging handshakes and gifts. While the truce would end before New Year's, because the commanders threatened court-martial and the war lasted for four more years, peace had been established among the men because of their common connection to Jesus. In the midst of what surely had to be the worst Christmas ever for those men, the Incarnation had brought them a moment of hope. 1800 years earlier, Mary and Joseph could see God's hand working through their difficulty. Their adversity wasn't a punishment, but rather a blessing from the Lord. For through their challenge came a closeness to the one who had come to save them. And so it is with us. Jesus enters into our lives the moment when we need him the most. That's the story of the carol, Silent Night. When everything seems to have fallen through, God takes what is left and reminds us of his power. It's an interesting song, isn't it? Silent Night. What was really silent about that night? There's no doubt there were moments of quiet, but also a mother birthing, a father rejoicing, shepherds praising, angels proclaiming, cattle lowing, and certainly a baby crying. What makes it silent is not necessarily the lack of sound. What makes it silent is what makes it holy. It's the presence of Jesus. The one who has created the world has come into the chaos. The one who created you has entered into your disorder, your disappointment, your discouragement, and into your struggle. Recently, we had a gathering of friends over at our home. We had the elders and the deacons together to share a time of fellowship and just to encourage one another. And I asked them to share a story about one of your most memorable Christmases. And I, I told the story it's a long story, but it's a good one, about how God brought me to Atlanta from Orlando on the coldest night of the year, when my brother, who had had surgery on his face, uh, we he and I drove, and we had to turn around um, halfway. It was a long tri- trial, and we finally made it to Atlanta. And it turns out that it was a real blessing, because that's where my family members who loved Jesus lived, and so I just fellowship with them, even though at the time I was not a follower of Christ. But it was a really disappointing time because my parents uh, had been uh, divorced, and so we were trying to figure out, okay, what does life look like for us? My brother and I celebrating in this new home where we had never lived before. And so I shared that. I said, tell me a story about one of your most memorable Christmases. And it was interesting to me to hear, as people shared going around the room, what most people shared about was a difficult Christmas, one where people had been recently divorced, or a loved one was gone, or the traditions that they had cherished and held so dearly they were not able to participate in for various reasons. And so I submit to you, I want to encourage you, if this isn't the kind of Christmas that you thought you were going to have in 2022, and in the last three years, who of us has had anything that we thought would be the way it should be? I want to encourage you that Jesus is with you. He is here, and he's present. he's He's inviting himself into your life. And if you're open to him, he'll come in and he'll lead you and he'll guide you and he'll show you that in those moments when you feel discouragement, that when you feel defeat or even despair, that he's with you. And friends, you can trust him because he came to do something amazing. He, and he did what he said he was going to do. He came to the earth and then he went to the cross and then he rose from the dead. And because of that, we have the opportunity to trust in him and to have our sins forgiven, and to rejoice in him. And so I encourage you to enter into that invitation and to press into him. You don't have to be perfect to do it. None of us here is, and certainly the guy talking to you isn't. Jesus gives us his invitation to come and join his family, to be part of his fellowship, so that when you face the trials of life, and you will, you'll have someone who's with you always. Tonight is an opportunity to be reminded what Christmas is truly supposed to be about. The incarnation of God's Son. The God who's in control when things seem out of control. The God who brings peace when there seems to be no peace. The God who's working in our lives in ways that we cannot see. The God who makes beautiful music out of the brokenness of our lives. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that reminds us of the story of what Jesus has done. Lord, we confess to you that there's been disappointment for us this week. Things haven't turned out the way we planned and we felt frustrated and we've often not handled that in a healthier, positive way. But I know, Lord, that you have come to forgive us and to lead us. So I pray that each of us would turn in repentance to you, to ask forgiveness from you knowing that we'll be restored in you because of what Christ has done. And for that reason, then we can rejoice and celebrate the wonder and beauty of Christmas because of the power and the majesty of the incarnation. And for this, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. It's our tradition at Woodland to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper uh, this evening as a way to remember this beautiful gift that God has given to us, that God has provided a way for us to to know Jesus. And while we're in a Presbyterian church and I'm a Presbyterian minister, this is not a Presbyterian table. This table is for anyone who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've trusted in Christ for my salvation. If you receive that invitation to enter into relationship with God through the person of Jesus, then you are welcome at this table. And if you've at a place in your life where you haven't made that kind of commitment, that's perfectly fine. We would ask that you, if you desire to come forward and we can give you a blessing, if you like, or if you want to remain seated, you can do that. Either way is totally fine. If you're not able to get up, we're able to bring communion to you, we'd be happy to do that once we've served everyone else. If you need a gluten-free wafer, there are those here in the center bowl. You'll come forward taking a wafer. And you can either take communion as you go and get the juice and go around and take it at your seat, or you can take it up front. Any way you want to do it is fine. We just ask you to come and experience the grace of God through the person of Jesus Christ. And if you've never made a commitment to the Lord, if you've never said, Lord, I've never seen you for who you really are, and you'd like to make that commitment tonight and take communion in relationship with Jesus for the very first time tonight, I invite you to confess your sins to the Lord. And believe that Jesus did what he said he was going to do when he went to the cross. And trust in him for the forgiveness of your salvation. And receive eternal life. And come and celebrate at this foretaste of that glorious meal that we'll all share when we go to heaven with the Lord. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is given in my blood. Whenever we drink it, we do so in the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul reminds us that whenever whenever we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And if you're a child and you're not ready to receive communion yet and you'd like to come forward, Elder Craig and I would love to give you a blessing if you come forward tonight. Will you pray with me? Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, Maturing God's People to Serve a Hurting World. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.